Welcome to the Mad Max Minute. You know, the nearer your destination, the more you're slip sliding away in Mad Max Fury <laughs> Road, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 59, which begins with the harpoon coming loose from the dashboard and catching on the steering wheel. And it ends with Nux watching dumbfounded from the back of the tanker. Back again are Christy Porter from the Indiana Jones Minute and Thomas Howarth from the Crit Storm cast. Hi, guys. Hello, hello. Welcome to Wednesday. Glad to be back. Thanks for having me. I would say hump day, but they jumped over the hump last minute. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How inconsiderate of them to do that early. <laughs> <laughs> Never hump early. Well, that's kind of Joe's <laughs> M.O., really. <laughs> hump early and often. Yeah. And always unwanted. <laughs> always. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's a... That's a bag of cats right there. Anyway, <laughs> we're out on the Fury Road. There's a harpoon embedded in the dashboard. And as Max is fighting with it, it comes loose, catches on the steering wheel. And mm, it is not great because that war rig was slightly turning to begin with. So thankfully, they don't run into anything sooner. But just the whole steering situation goes not quite out the window, but about as nearly out of the window as it can go without actually going. Now, it's been a while since I watched the beginning part of this movie. Is his hand attached to the steering wheel somehow? Or is it just it got caught that way? It got caught that way. Yeah. Okay. Pinned. I think it's pinned. I wasn't sure if he had like attached himself to it or not. It's been a while. So what Max was doing is he was holding on to one of those vertical handles that you see in big rigs sometimes. I know we're not supposed to have them. You're not <laughs> supposed to attach things to your steering wheel or anything like that, but it's one of those things that just helps you turn. It gives you a little bit of extra leverage, and he's got his hand on that because he's trying to turn the wheel and get the harpoon out. And so when the steering wheel pulls off the column, he's still got his hand around that handle. And so he doesn't have the time to let go. And so as that steering wheel gets pinned against the door frame, his hand is just there. Yeah. <laughs> as a point of note, those things are usually on trucks because a normal turn requires so many revolutions of the steering wheel that they need something that spins freely and they can just kind of like rotate like a, a pinion kind of thing. Oh, good tip. <laughs> good tip there. Okay. I'm pretty sure you're not technically allowed to have one oh, no, in no. your car because of like when you crash and there's like extra stuff on your steering wheel. But like, how often does a normal person crash? Well, you don't want to face plant into that. Yeah. It's like no. the person who takes uh, healing stones and super glues them to the front of their steering wheel. So that way it attracts positive vibes. That's a really <laughs> terrible idea. Well, it is a really a terrible idea. Unless you want your airbag oh. to be more like a claymore mine. Oh my goodness. It's all about starting the healing early with that first impact. <laughs> Pre-healing? Pre-healing, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, all right. I don't know much about healing rocks or <laughs> mystical energy or something like that, but if you've got a piece of gypsum embedded in your forehead, I don't think that's going to attract any sort of positive vibes. No, probably not. It's probably not good for you, not good for the stones. Mm -mm. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever worked on cars, but steering wheels are a lot harder than that to take off. For good reason, right? Yeah. And normally they would take, like, the steering shaft that goes down to the wheels along with it, because it's all usually, like, almost one complete piece. 
Well, that's where these steering wheels in this universe are unique. They use them like keys. They're, they pop right off. There is that. Yeah, I forgot that was part of this. Yep. They do seem to play fast and loose with, um, you know, physics and how cars really work. <laughs> oh, yeah. And how bodies work and such. It's all right. I'll allow it. It's okay. Yep. Entertainment. Mm-hmm. The rule of cool is always better. <laughs> Clearly. Julia, I like how they're playing on that idea. If all of the steering wheels are interchangeable and you can swap them out on a whim based on who's driving, of course it would pop right off like this. And what really weirds me out is the fact that the harpoon is jammed inside of the steering wheel in such a way that it can't just do a weird flip right out the window. Like you look at the way it's leveraged there and I feel like the steering wheel should just be able to turn to the side a little bit and fly right out the window. But it's just jammed in there between the outer ring and the center supports there. It just is locked. Yeah, there's not much locking that into that position. Yeah. You'd almost wish it opened up just a little bit or something so it was like barbed in there better. Mm-hmm. It's the perfect storm of just bad news for <laughs> Max right now. Yeah. And it did crush his hand, so. Yeah, that's not going to feel better. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting when they make their choices about what injuries are really going to cause problems and what injuries are no problem at all. So every time an injury actually caused a problem, I was kind of like, oh. It looks like it stings. Okay. Yeah, he does a great job selling that. He sure does. And so seeing Max in a sticky situation, this is the opportunity for Angherid and Capable to leap into action. So Angherid, during the chase with the Rock Riders, she had a gun thrown in her lap and Furiosa said, reload it. And Angherid was like, I can't do this. And mm-hmm. so Toast had to take over. And so in this instance, I feel like Angherid is looking to prove that she is the leader that she feels like she is, that she is the one who can take charge in situations like this. And so she grabs Capable, and they head out the side door with the bolt cutters. Yep. Speaking of Capable, I do like how this movie portrays even these quote-unquote damsels in distress are very capable characters. They can do things without even really thinking about it. They jumped on this. I mean, it took some outside out of the box thinking to think, oh, we need to get some bolt cutters. We need to get out there. We need to cut it off. They jumped on that and had the plan very quickly and and, uh, did it very well. Mm -hmm. They seem to have their own backstories, you know, either in their heads or Miller told them or, you know, we don't know what toasts might be, but, but we learn that she has particular skills with weapons or what have you. And yeah, they are very, very resourceful. And Angharad is certainly a leader Mm. and maybe she's been you know waiting for her time to do something like this not that she knew that this was going to be it but she incapable see something and they kind of spring into action there's no hesitation and i know that this is a required action because all of their lives depend upon max and his driving right now but i do like the teamwork aspect of this that max has been almost accepted into their fold. And yeah. really the only reason that that has happened is out of necessity. Yeah. He forced it upon them, but it has happened. They are now a group. Right. Cause the other option could have easily been uh, Furiosa opening the door and kicking him out and then just <laughs> scooting over into the seat. <laughs> yes. That also would have worked. Yep. Probably. I think you're right, Juliet, for sure, but they are now a group and they are protecting each other and, and so forth. But 
you know, the story does this so carefully and the direction does this so carefully that I couldn't really tell you where the beginning of we're now trusting each other and the end of where we're now trusting each other. Although this was very clearly a pivotal point in the movie when Angharad does this, this whole minute and the one before and after are, um, a lot actually revolves around this. Yeah, I think as far as the trust is concerned, when Max handed Furiosa the shotgun, this is after the deal with the Rock Riders broke down and they first started fleeing. Furiosa crawled up from the tanker into the rig and Max handed her a shotgun. Mm -hmm. And I think that was Max's first show of trust in Furiosa that she wouldn't immediately turn the gun on him. And like you said, open the door, kick him out sort of situation. And I think that gesture from Max to Furiosa and then Furiosa's continued teamwork with him is why the wives are so quick to jump to Max's aid right now and not, you know, reaching around and opening the door for Furiosa. <laughs> to, to nudge him out. Yeah. <laughs> there you go then. And I like how the bolt cutters keep coming back as a thing. Mm -hmm. They're constantly being used to free someone from a situation. So the DAG starts off with the bolt cutters freeing Cheeto from the chastity belt. The bolt cutters, not on purpose, they inadvertently free Max from the door. And then they intentionally free Max from the chain that's binding him to Nux. And now here the bolt cutters are coming back again to free Max from the harpoon. So the bolt cutters are definitely a freeing tool. Oh, good one, yeah. It's like a recurring Chekhov's gun. <laughs> exactly. Mm -hmm. As opposed to something that's meant to entrap and ensnare, this is something that sets free. That actually makes me think that I don't think we really see people get chained. We only see them get bolt-cutted to freedom. It's not a word. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, we start with that chastity belt being on, and we see him getting his chains in the beginning, but after that, the chains are just there. They're just there all the time. Yeah, a lot of the chain connecting is off screen. Yes. Yeah, like we never get to see Max get chained to Nux. He just is. We mm -hmm. never get to see him handcuffed to the front of the car. He just is when mm -hmm. he shows up again. Well, because this isn't a movie about captivity, it's a movie about liberation. Yes. Good one. And I think it's very appropriate that the tool that the wives use most often is the bolt cutters, and they use the bolt cutters to liberate people. Themselves mm. first, and then other people. And mm. even here, they're trying to get their hooks back into them, literally, and they use it once more to free themselves. Mm -hmm. I know we can't dig deep into physics, because it's a movie. <laughs> but having lived on an... Uh, uh, I'm going to do it. I was in the military, and... <laughs> 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 Sorry, long-standing inside joke, but... I told you it was going to happen. Um, yeah. <laughs> On an aircraft carrier, planes land and they hook a big chain thing when they land to stop them quickly. And there's all these horror stories about those things snapping and killing people because the pressure that's put on them makes it basically act like a huge whip. And then you have a 400-pound whip whipping around and it takes people out. And them cutting this chain would probably kill one of them, honestly. It would shrink back in both directions and probably take out both Max and the girl that's cutting it. In fact, she almost takes a link to the face. If you watch it in slow motion, one of the links goes straight at her face, and I don't know how it didn't hit her, but she would probably either die or lose an arm from doing this. I did think about that, and 
I think they do put in a real nice kind of noise. Yeah, that sound gives me chills because I've watched so many safety videos where that sound is a real noise. <laughs> okay, well, that's just standing in for, and just, the, the, it was scary and dangerous, and that's all it means. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. <laughs> in fact, what was the uh, the Cube Gooden Jr. movie um, where he's a diver and he loses his leg towards the end of it? I know just the one you mean. Yes, that Can't movie. tell that, you which one That's it was. exactly what happens. There's a chain breaks and comes back and whips his leg off. Okay. Boy, were they oh, lucky. Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's appropriately gruesome. Super lucky. Super I think lucky. that's kind of the theme of this moment for Ang Herod. She gets lucky and she doesn't get hurt by the chain. She gets lucky and doesn't get hit by the rock. And then she doesn't get lucky anymore. Like she has a couple of near misses. Until she does. She does. She this doesn't is, miss anymore. This is the place where she looks up and she gets kind of an Indiana Jones smile from uh, Max. And he mm-hmm. gives her like a kind of a wow, thumbs up, which is a very it's a very kind of sly move because it's not a very firm thumbs up. It's not a like we're fine thumbs up. But, you know, thanks for the bolt cutters. That was cool. <laughs> Good thinking, kid. Good thinking. <laughs> well, before we get to that. With Max's hand freed from the steering wheel, it just kind of falls away. So we are now steering wheel less. And so Furiosa has to think fast of herself and she takes an adjustable wrench and clamps it down on the steering column, which isn't necessarily going to make turning very easy, but it's going to make it a lot easier than just trying to crank down on that little hex bolt nut thing. I thought that was pretty smart, pretty fast. And they've got to start turning because as we look up and see, there is a rock quickly approaching. It's very much like the tank scene in Indiana Jones and the (laughs) Last Crusade where Indy is hanging off the side of the tank and there is a rock quickly approaching. Indeed. (laughs) But there's no one inside the rig to, I guess, ricochet a bullet around and cause the Nazi to turn. (laughs) It's just Max and Furiosa trying to get that dang truck to move. There is this great image when she's connecting that to the steering wheel, where it's basically her mechanical hand is holding the bottom part of that as her regular hand tightens it down. It just looks really cool. Like You almost wonder if she could have used her mechanical hand to steer. That's probably one of the features of her mechanical arm. (laughs) An emergency steering wheel connector. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she's smart enough to know that she should have a backup. Yeah. I especially mean, a steering wheel that's so easily removed. In a right. pinch. Which, if she's using her mechanical arm, it would literally be a pinch. It would a pinch. It would at that. Speaking of images revolving around Furiosa's mechanical arm and this wrench, I love how right around, I think it starts at second 19... But you've got Furiosa holding on to that wrench in the steering column, and then Max takes his injured hand and he puts it on Furiosa's prosthetic hand to help her turn. Right. So even though he's injured, he's still like, hey, I need to be focused on helping keep us all alive. And yeah, I'm bleeding, but, you know, he ain't got time to bleed. At the same time, you almost wonder, is it just instinct for him because he sees the rock coming like, oh God, oh God, I need to do something. Like that person that's in the... uh Passenger seat that's trying to grab the steering wheel or press the brake. Stomping on the floor, but there's no pedal there. Sure. (laughs) Sure. I have paused my playback at second 22, and it is just a tableau of shocked faces because this rock is approaching. 
everyone is wide-eyed like not sure what's going on toast has a death grip on cheeto's arm capable is peeking between max and furiosa and max just has this look on his face of like oh no (laughs) oh man (laughs) yeah and then there's furiosa who doesn't look surprised or worried at all she's just going about her business of fixing the problem that has presented itself in front of her well she looks worried but she also looks incredibly focused on getting this thing to turn she's like i ain't got time to emotionally react i just gotta get this thing to move (laughs) it is so such fast thinking Mm. she's absolutely the person you want running an operation like this like i know this is max's movie it's max's series and He's the person that we root for and that we love, and we really do. But, man, Furiosa, she's just better. <laughs> well, so maybe maybe you've uh, covered this, but Jer and I had, had an argument about this. Mm-hmm. Is this Max's movie? Oh, it wasn't an argument. It was a friendly, hey, let's talk about this, because he said it wasn't. And I was like, what do you mean it wasn't? Well, Max is our POV character, and the, by virtue of him being the one that we follow... That makes it his movie. Now, the narrative, like the plot, revolves around Furiosa and Nux, but the movie really belongs to Max, just by virtue of him being the POV character. It's the same thing as like in Road Warrior. Like, the story revolved around Papagallo and the people in the compound. Max was just there. He was like a catalyst. Yeah. I'm thinking thinking carefully, because that sounded really reasonable. And yet, (laughs) and yet, I don't know. Well, even thinking back to the first movie, like the main plot going on, the battle between Toe Cutter and Lawlessness and Fifi McAfee and the other MFP and trying to uphold right. Max literally takes a vacation from the plot in the middle of the movie and the plot has to follow him in order to drag him back into the story. (laughs) Kicking and screaming. Yeah. So uh, it's not Max's stories then? I think that we follow Max into other people's stories. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about your Klingons. Yeah. Right. He's, he's not really. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, Max participates and he tries to run away and he has to be pulled back, kicking and screaming. But there's so much history. I'm thinking specifically of the latter three movies. There's so much history to how the group of people he's interacting with got to where they are. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. we just come in for this one little snippet. And then we leave again when Max is done. Yeah. This is going to sound weird, but I think out of the four movies that we have, the movie that is most specifically Max's story is Beyond Thunderdome. That is the best example of Max being the star of his own narrative because he loses his camel truck and then he has to make the decision to go to Bartertown and he makes the decision to work for Auntie and he's able to act as his own agent. And yes, he's strung along by other people first auntie and then master and then the waiting ones and all this other situations but i think if you want a story that is max's beyond thunderdome is the one that you want to see i think you're 100 percent right that's the maximum max for sure <laughs> it is but that's not the movie that i really want to see so <laughs> it does feel a little different from the other ones and it's very different from this one it's yeah. very different it's almost like they are different characters. <laughs> almost. <laughs> just just hmm. something about him. Something just, about him. Just feels different between this one and the other three. It's a little like when you move to Daniel Craig. You're like, <laughs> he's a great James Bond, but he he's not really James Bond. He's a great guy, but he's not. Mm, different. <laughs> different idea. See, 
that James Bond having done the things that were in the other stories. Like that's not part of his past. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Which is fine. Which is fine. As we're careening towards this rock, we see that Ang Herod is still hanging off the side of the war rig, which, Hey, you know, Hey, pay attention, please don't celebrate till you're inside the truck. And as she's hanging there, she hears Joe shouting out to her. Mm-hmm. And as she turns around, we get to see Joe is pointing at the rock because Yeah, he's a terrible guy, and he views these women as property, but Ang Herod is his favorite, and he wants his property back, but he's still warning her that the rock is coming. And again, the supersonic hearing or speaking is is amazing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And she turns around, and then we get this insane quick zoom on the rock itself before the war rig just smashes into this thing. Another 3D moment. (laughs) Yeah, and takes a good... 18 inches off the end of that thing. Like, they obliterate that rock. This isn't a graze. This is a hit. I love this half second of suspense that they give you after he's taken the rock out and he looks behind him and there's nothing there. They don't play it out too long. They just have this little brief, quick moment of, oh, crud, is she there? And then she pops out. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely a little bit of foreshadowing. Yeah. Yes. You've got to have a keen eye to be able to see that she just barely leaps out of the way before the rock scrapes along the entire side of the war rig. But yeah, where we're looking at Max leaning out that side window, it's a solid two seconds from 29 seconds, 22 frames to 31 seconds, 22 frames where we aren't sure. And then, yeah, Thomas, like you said, she's kind of Pops right out. Not a hair out of place. <laughs> looking great. Yeah, she still looks fantastic. fantastic. As yeah. if everything was fine. Quite dewy. I mean, you know that these women are hydrated. Yes. Yeah. She's largely unscathed. And I say largely unscathed because she is still bleeding from her leg, which is probably not very comfortable at all. But what she does is frustrate and confuse me because she starts climbing along the outside of the rig. She can go right or left. If she goes left, she's climbing along the outside of the rig. If she goes right, there is a breezeway tunnel that she can crawl up and inside the rig without having to climb around the outside like a spider monkey. Yeah. Yeah, there is. There was no need for her to go the dangerous route. Now, one thing of note here is... Now, this this rig is one they stole from, from Joe, right? Mm-hmm. Here's, we were talking about this earlier. How do the people hold on? If you look carefully, she's holding onto a chain that was welded there so that somebody can hold on to the outside of the vehicle. Yeah. Yes, she is. And up by the rear window, there is a second welded chain. Yep. So the other question that we could ask, aside from why aren't you taking the easy route and crawling up through the access way, the other thing is, okay, so you start by holding on to one chain, you move over to the pipes. You Which are the, wrapped so that they're actually hold, you can actually hold on to them. Yep. She is able to give a grin to Max and be like, oh yeah, I got this. I did it. And then Max does his little thumbs up like, sure you did, kid. Don't get cocky. <laughs> and the next thing she reaches for is the frame of the door. Which, if she had grabbed the chain that was welded to the top of the war rig, things would have turned out very differently because... She's sitting there bleeding on the side of the fender and her foot just 
frip, slips right off. A bad situation to find oh, yourself in. So bad. I think you're giving her more skills than she actually has. I don't think she trains like Furiosa and, and everybody. I don't even, she may not have ever climbed on the outside of a war rig before. Ever. I'm just saying. Maybe I don't think she's ever a, been in a vehicle before. That's yeah. what I'm saying. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying. Like before today. Like, before yeah. today. I don't actually, think they had a rock climbing wall on the inside no. of the harem. No. And she also doesn't realize, you know, if a door gets hit with a 400 pound boulder, it's probably not good to grab onto it afterwards. Yeah. So maybe she was able to, maybe she's like, all right, bolt cutters. I know what to do with these. This is how we do bolt cutters. Mm-hmm. Did it be earlier and I can do it now. But yeah. It might have taken her like a few practice tries to get the stunts on the war rig just right. Yeah. So we can't be too harsh on her for not going back through the breezeway. Certainly not. It's just a tragedy because decisions were made. Yeah. And the end result is that Ang Herod is hanging off of that door and she's staring at the other women in the back of that truck as if to scream, help me, help me. And there's nothing they can do because that door, which just hit a boulder falls away mm-hmm. and Super just like that she's gone mm-hmm. so i think it's interesting that they don't tell us what uh joe is thinking they don't flash to joe they stay on the truck so when she falls they stay on the truck yeah we get capable in the dag screaming after her we see max throwing his head out the side window so he can see what happens and as the bigfoot rolls over ang Herod, we get a quick shot of joe cutting the wheel and the Bigfoot rolls up the side of the canyon and starts flipping. Big ups on Rictus, though, because he does this crazy superhero roll dive and he ends up just fine. But the way the Bigfoot rolls, that thing is not going to be moving anywhere else anytime soon. Yeah. How did Joe not get hurt? Because reasons. Yeah. (laughs) I watched this over and over again. So what do you think Joe did? Did Joe actually hit her? What does the group think? Well, I think that if he hadn't moved, she would have gone in between the wheels. I think he ended up rolling over. Yes, I think so, too. I think that he actually rolled into her and hit her. And I don't think that he did on purpose. No, I think he was willing to sacrifice everybody else in that car Mm -hmm. to try and avoid hitting her. Uh, Right. Okay. So how did that happen? Because... He is the general. He's, he's the biggest, baddest driver there is. He's not the only good driver, but he's, he's a great driver. So how is it that he's able to do all of these things? And he's presumably been raised to do all of these things. And then when it really counts and it's your favorite wife and she's pregnant and falls accidentally and you've got at least two seconds to avoid her. Oh, you run right into her. Come on. It's like in that moment, he panics. Mm-hmm. Oh, he definitely panics. You see it on his face. He's like, oh, crap. Yeah. Yeah. And he had, I mean, her falling was not instantaneous. He saw her climbing on the edge. He saw her slip, holding on to the door for a few seconds, and then fall. So I feel like he had time to, I don't know, do something different than completely self-sabotage to try and not hit her. Go the other way. Swerve the other way. Yeah. So then they, yeah, not that way, you goofball. No, wait, so so this is my question. So how was this the direction and then we all just go on with the story? So this is a question because I think this is pretty pivotal. So why did he hit her in the first place, even in a panic? 
And then why do we not see that clearly he knows it's his fault? Now, now, I mean, here's the other question that we that that we had mentioned earlier is that he calls her and says, Agnaharad, you know, to warn her. Mm-hmm. He doesn't call her splendid. He calls her by her name, even though he had called her splendid earlier. And Angharad means most loved. So, you know, maybe we're meant to think that she's actually the most loved. She's the most treasured. But is she also the most loved? Well, Toast does say that Angharad is Joe's favorite. So yeah, all of the wives know it. But there's favorite treasure and favorite possession. And then there's most loved. Mm. And they're different. One of them is a power grab. And the other is an emotional connection to somebody. Oh, is this the Thanos Gamora situation where we're oh, supposed I'm, to I'm like? I'm so have... sorry you said that. No, <laughs> <laughs> like we're supposed to have sympathy for Joe because no, he no, actually no, no, no. loved her. No, 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 no. I'm wondering about her name. I don't have any sympathy for Joe, but I think his panic was more emotional than anything else. Yeah, and I think his panic was very genuine. And I'm wondering about her name. So her name yeah. is most loved. And I think Angharad is most loved of the other wives. Like, they all have a special connection to her. Oh, okay. I hadn't thought of oh, that. Oh, I That's see good. what you mean. That's yeah. good. Not most loved by him, most loved by the group. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the that, other wives were okay. willing to follow her because they loved her. They had a sisterhood between the five of them. And looked to her. And she was actually, and so she's, um, she's a character from Wealth Mythology. I don't know if you've, you've, you've talked about this before. I say we've mentioned it, but I didn't dive into it because you know, it's Welsh. Well, there's nothing more important than royalty in Welsh mythology. Come on, <laughs> yes, obviously. So, well, I was thinking, you know, she yes, she's royalty, and yes, she's most loved, and yes, she's most treasured, and, and um, the character in the in the myths was also married to a great warlord. Mm. So now we're now. Thank you. Hmm. You don't say. <laughs> no, no I do say. These are the things that get me off. I didn't realize. It's interesting. I'm glad you looked it up. I was being genuine there. I promise. Yeah. No, quite, quite all right. I do. I get, I, I, I get very excited. All right. So anyway, she's gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and just like that, she's, she's gone. We don't get to really internalize what's happening in this minute. We have to wait until the next minute. But I don't think we've had a major character be killed off in the middle of a movie since 1979. In that first Mad Max movie, when we lose Goose, it's about halfway through the movie because Goose's death is what sends Max into the I don't want to be in the plot anymore mode that we were talking about. And unless you count the Interceptor as a character like Goose or Ang Harrod, like we don't have any other major character deaths halfway through the other two movies. That I can think of, at least. I'm sure people will think of one. It is startling. Yeah. It's shocking because we've been setting up Ang Herod this entire movie as the wife that has the plan. The one that's really motivated to get to the green place. She's the one that the other ones rally around. And now she's being taken away. Right. So you have to, at this point, you have to wonder what's going to hold them together. Mm-hmm. Speaking of shocking deaths, though. That poor guy that managed to hold on for the jump. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He's not doing so good in this scene. (laughs) Yeah. He gets thrown forward just far enough to be in front of the A-frame of the car and then just gets sandwiched against the dirt brutally. (laughs) Yeah. If he was still clinging to life after being shot by Max and Furiosa, this is quite the cherry on the mortal cake. (laughs) 
Yeah, he, he belly flops the dirt, and then the car lands on top of him. It's pretty brutal. Yeah. Now, I don't know if Immortan Joe had a seatbelt or anything like that, but the nice thing about the Bigfoot is that it is very reinforced inside. A lot of these close-up shots that we've had of Joe in this minute and Monday's minute show that there are pipes and supports all around him. Yeah, he's got a roll cage. Yeah. Yeah. Just for this purpose. Because, you know, big vehicles like that, they got high centers of gravity. Yeah. (laughs) The wheels do a lot to lower that, but even so, you roll up on a little incline like that, and before you know it, it's do a barrel roll. Mm Mm-hmm. I've gone back and forth on this scene so many times watching the truck flip and go back. (laughs) It's rough. And as we join Nux at the back of the tanker here at the tail end of the minute, you can see all of the dust flying around and peeking out through the dust. You can actually see Rictus. He's on his feet. He did that little tactical roll and he's back up because he's just inhuman like that. And we don't get to see Nux's reaction until Friday, but we can see that Nux is there to see all of this. Right. What a great choice this was to jump into his POV all of a sudden when we kind of forgot about him in the in the preceding moments. Mm-hmm. And then just to jump back, oh, look, he's hiding back in this, this hole nobody even knew about <laughs> and yeah. giving you this great view of what happened when he's still kind of dealing with his own failure and then to see his... God basically fail right in front of him as well. Yeah, he's sitting in his little shame hovel. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I find it very interesting that he recovered himself and found a place for himself to hang out. And I'm interested to delve into his motivations and his feelings and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Down the road a little bit. Like I said, next week. We're definitely getting into it then. Yes. Feelings. (laughs) Nothing more than feelings. As for us, we have wrapped on 59. We are going to close it out until Friday. We'll be coming back. We're going to see Capable freak out. Furiosa is going to make the hard call to keep going. And Immortan Joe is going to do his best Pieta. The Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for MadMaxMinute, and join our Facebook listener group, MadMaxMinute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, where you can see what's in our Tee Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 59 of Fury Road. We'll see you next time. <laughs>